Everybody, well, Chuck and Carrie already gave us church, so I'm going to pray us home. Nobody's ever argued about getting out of church early, right? Well, amen, let's go home. All right, I'm going to quickly pray us, and I'm going to jump right into this. We're going to get done with this. We're going to be doing part two of the two parts. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this beautiful time we get to be here in your presence always, Father. I thank you for the blessings you have for us here. I thank you for all the unexpected blessings still coming our way. Father, I thank you for the provision you've set before us. I thank you for your goodness that resides all around us, Father. I thank you so much for what you have, have given to us and made available, Father. I thank you for this beautiful time in fellowship with you. Lord, I pray that you shut me up and you speak what you need to speak. I pray that everybody here has their ears open, ready to hear what you have for them. Their hearts are ready to receive any, any piece that you need them to glean from you, Father. I thank you right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, like I said, this is going to be part two. This will be the final. Next week, Pastor will be back to clean up everything I've done. So, last week I spoke about, you know, the problem with the world coming out of Romans chapter 1, and we found that in there it talked about the suppression of truth and how from all that sin came, comes, happens. Things, things take place that shouldn't be taking place. But following that, Paul moved into chapter 2 and talked about problems in the church also. You know, we're not exempt from that. We, we need to be checking ourselves as well and realigning ourselves, making all the course adjustments back to the Word. That's never been different for 2,000 years since Jesus was stomping the dirt in the road. So we hit Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, and thank goodness Paul didn't stop just with that. The Holy Spirit kept in writing that so we could have the end of chapter 5 and chapter 6. And I spoke about how what Jesus did on the cross fixed the mistakes that Adam did and removed us from being bound to the cursed conditions of this world. And now we get to live in the blessed realities of heaven. Okay? So we, we were moving into that, and so we're going to move into how to now live from your position over the conditions. Okay? So, in Romans, like I said, Paul has talked about how we moved back into our right standing. And one of the scriptures, one of the verses in Romans chapter 6 talked about us being weapons unto God for righteousness. Righteous weapons. That's how we're supposed to be living our lives. So, Jesus corrected Adam's mistake, and we were bringing him back into our righteousness. So where do we find our original standing, our original right standing with God? If you would, please go to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. Funny, I used to read Genesis as Genesis. And uh, there was actually one time, this is back in Chuck and Carrie used to have Bible study at their house. I don't know if you guys remember this, but they always provided Oreos, which is amazing. But Chuck, Chuck asked someone if they wanted to read a little quick passage, and I said, I'll, I'll do it. I was, I was going to be the most spiritual one in the room. So I decided to start reading, and I came across a word I didn't know how to say. And so I did what you do in school. You just sound it out. And I was like, and, and then there was the King Nebuchadnezzar. I didn't know how to say Nebuchadnezzar. I was it. That was it. That was memorable. <laughs> All right. So we're in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26, okay? 
Now this is after the creation events, God doing all his, his awesome stuff. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Okay. So, I think uh, when I was asking God a couple weeks ago, and last week after I finished, I was like, God, what, what is our position? And then God answered me, I brought you back. Well, then I said, uh, back to what? And this was the passage that he highlighted to me. This was the passage he brought me back to. So the position that Jesus provided for us was once lost but now made available again. That's what he brought back with our righteousness. We are back in the right standing with God, and this is where the original right standing of God happened, what it was, the model of it. Listen, you know, we can't get back into the Garden of Eden. There's still an angel guarding it with a giant flaming sword. I, I still believe the Garden of Eden is still on earth because I, I didn't read where Adam and Eve were transplanted from another planet onto earth after they were kicked out of the garden. I still believe it's here somewhere. I don't know. I don't want to find it because you'll walk across this big old dude. That's not good. But yeah, so I still believe the Garden of Eden is here. It's still protected. There's still the tree of life in there. I didn't read anywhere God destroyed it all. We're still not supposed to eat from it. But the position is what we have again. And that position is now here where you stand. The position of righteousness that God made for us in the Garden of Eden, you are to live right now here in Wheeler. This can be where you were in the Garden of Eden. All right, so what does this position say about you? What, the position that you have to step into and start functioning from, what does this say about you? What are the blessings from it, okay? When God created all that existed, he created it, actually he created mankind for the finale. Technically he created women for the grand finale, but anyways, God used mankind for the finish. When God created, he put layer upon layer upon layer upon layer, and he set man and woman on top of it all, at the pinnacle. That's where, it, that's where we were placed, and then he said, I'm done. That's all I need. That's where we're at. So, three blessings. I came up with three blessings that I found in verse 26 and 27 that I want you guys to write down. Hope you got enough pen in your ink. So, yeah. See, you're paying attention. I was going to say enough book in your paper, but. All right, so I got three blessings that we see from verse 26, 27 about what our position says to us about our righteousness. Number one, we have the blessing of resemblance. The very first thing you see in that is resemblance, okay? Genesis, verse 26, we are created and given the exclusive honor of bearing the image of the almighty God, okay? That's the first thing. Doesn't that make us pretty special in God's sight? Shouldn't you see yourself as that special? You should. You should be seeing yourself just like as God looks at us and he looks at himself. You are an image bearer. You resemble the almighty creator. I mean, listen, 
We have mentality. We have morality. We've been created with the triune nature of God as well, spirit, soul, and body, Father, God, Holy, Father, God, Holy Spirit. We're the only things in all of creation that has that. God didn't create the platypus, the venomous mammal that lays eggs in his image. No, he created man. God didn't create the puffer fish in his image. No, he created man and woman in his image. We bear the resemblance of the almighty creator. That's the first blessing you read there. That's the first blessing that comes from it. From our position, our right standing with the Father is we have his resemblance. That is amazing. I'm happy. I don't care if you are. I'm happy. That's the first thing. Then God said, let us make man in our image. I'll tell you what, that's, that's amazing. That's number one. You have the resemblance of the almighty creator. Number two, we have the blessing of relationship. Okay? We have the privilege and the honor of seeking a personal relationship with God. The rest of creation does not have this like we do. Okay, there, uh, I got a couple scriptures. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God. I didn't read that, God saying that over a tree. I read that reserved for us. You know what I'm saying? We are in relationship with the, all, with the Father. So you bear the resemblance of the Almighty Creator. You are in relationship with the Father. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Look at it. There's tons of scripture. When I started looking this up, I was pulling scripture out of scripture out of scripture out of scripture and one leading to another. Throughout the entire Bible, we see this kind of relationship only reserved for us. If God reserved it for you, he wants you to step into it and live from that. This is the kind of relationship that, I mean, we read in, in 1 John, the children of God, he wants that kind of relationship. On a Friday night, you snuggle up with him on the couch, eat popcorn, watch a movie. That's the kind of relationship he has for you, that he wants you to be with him. It's, I, I can't remember the passage, it just came to me, but what, it said when Jesus and, Jesus and the disciples were fellowshipping, it said, and John laid against his breast. That was the exact image of the relationship you're supposed to have with the Father, that he gave for you. Where, and John was a kid, a teenager. I don't know how old he was. He was young, younger than me. I know that. Okay, so we got... The first one, you are the resemblance of the almighty creator. Second one, you have the relationship with the Father. And thirdly, okay, we have the blessing of rulership. Okay, in verse 26, 27, it shows that also. I've, I've heard it in other groups that we don't, that we're just supposed to be the created walk around beings of nothing. No, God created you and placed you in his rulership, okay? God is the creator of everything. He is the only one that has the right to rule over everything. But because we are an image bearer of God, that image becomes functional, okay? Man was given the mandate to represent God in the world and ruling over everything, if you would, go to Psalms chapter 8. This was another scripture I found about this. I love this. 
David wrote this. I love David. Actually, this whole chapter is in my book. It's, it's listed as God's glory, man's dignity. Okay, but Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 through 9. Let me read this for you. What is man that you remember him, the son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him Lord over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as animals in the, in the wild, birds of the sky and fish of the sea, passing through the currents of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. Holy moly. So, the original position of your righteousness, your right standing, found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, at the beginning of the Bible. You have resemblance. You have relationship, and you have rulership. That is an amazing thing about your position. In the, in, in, in the world, uh, I, uh, relationships are not real in the world. They're all after fleeting emotions and that kind of stuff. That's not how it is with God. In the world, you're not allowed to rule over stuff. You're not allowed to have that kind of stuff if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you can have whatever you want, apparently. But if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be, you know, holy poverty and all that kind of stuff. I won't get into all that. But listen, the three blessings of your position. I got to watch. I got, I, got, I got three hours with you guys today, so I hope you can sit that long. <laughs> You have resemblance, you have relationship, and you have rulership. That is what your position gives you. Your original standing, your right, righteousness, what you've been brought back to right there. Genesis 1, 26, 27. You should highlight that in your Bible if you haven't done it already. If you do it, if you do it good. Don't do it, you should do it. Now God put those, those things before us to live in. We're supposed to cultivate those now into greater levels. Okay, There is something on our side to do. We're supposed to cultivate those. We're supposed to spend time in God's word to know his attributes, to know his heart, his ways. Listen, we're supposed to give God the final say on all matters of life. He created it. You should let him speak. Just, just a thought there. Listen, the world suppresses the truth, but you've been given the truth again. You, the truth, you have full access to it again. I got three scriptures for you. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Psalms 119, 160. The entirety of your word is truth. Proverbs 35 through 6. Every word of God is pure. You are supposed to be in this. He's given this to you to be in it. It's made available to you. All truth. Right here. Throughout history... This has been tried to be destroyed, burned up, taken over. There was, I'm trying to remember what it was in the 60s. They took it to court and all that stuff, tried to ban it. There's actually a guy right now trying to fight the Bible to no longer be like printed and stuff. I just, I just saw it. it was some ridiculous, futile thing. It doesn't work. They've been trying to destroy this Bible for thousands of years and it hasn't worked. It stands true. This is where you're supposed to be finding yourself. So, you know, we're all supposed to be finding ourselves in prayer. We're supposed to have an open line of communication to God's voice. You're supposed to be in the Word. You're supposed to be in, in prayer. You're supposed to have, to let God speak into things of life. Listen, 
We're supposed to take the mandates and the orders of God and live them out to be lights to a dark world. Part of the, the positions we have has given us power to do just that. Okay. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. We've been brought back to the Father because of Jesus conquering the cross, bringing us back into righteousness, right standing. Now we are to do what Adam failed to do. Okay? We are to subdue and take dominion. Living from our position over the conditions, we need to take dominion. Okay? When the serpent came to Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam did not do what he was supposed to do. He did not take dominion. Instead, he sat there like a buffoon and let this serpent deceive both of them. Deceive Eve, but he was just an idiot. He did not take dominion like he was supposed to. How many times have we got the serpents coming up to us and we're not taking dominion? Because we don't realize the truth of what our righteousness has given us. Where we're placed in it. It's not that we're just in right standing with God and we no longer have to go to hell. But there's so much more that comes with it. Listen, because of what Jesus did, you are now seated. Chuck and Carrie were talking about this kind of stuff. You are now seated in the throne room at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. It's not that you're no longer just going to get burned for eternity. It's now you are inside of the throne room seated at the right hand of the Father. If, you know, in all the movies and books and stuff like that, when you look at the throne and you see all the, all the dudes up there and they're sitting on the, on the throne and stuff, they have power and rulership over all that they sit over. I think that's where we're seated, if, if I'm not mistaken of what the Bible said. And I believe it's true. So if, if I believe it's true, you should believe it's true. <laughs> all right. Okay, so you're already saved. The devil lost in trying to screw that up. But he'll come after what he can for next, and that's stopping you from living a saved life. He will try to stop you from living from the throne room. He wants to take you back out. He wants you to forget your position. He wants to belittle it as much as possible. Listen, you have a new position in life, and he will try to get you to step down. Step down from the throne, down back into the gutters and stuff. Just how he is. But let me tell you something. You don't have to play by the devil's rules anymore. I hope you, hope you understand that. I hope you realize that. You don't have to play by the devil's rules anymore. Because of where you are now, you don't have to be frightened by the devil and his plans. His plans do not have to become realities. Christ made that happen, made that possible. You do not have to be frightened by the devil and his plans. His plans do not have to be realities. I'll write it down for you later. I'll put it in your office for you, and I'll just I'll sign it like the, the great Steve. Need when the book is All right. 1 Peter 5, 7. We, we all are pretty familiar with this. It says, Be sober, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he may devour. It says he's looking for people he may devour. I didn't read in there where it said he is going to devour. 
we, we sometimes have the issue with the problem with ourselves. When we read that, we're like, oh, my goodness, he's a lion. I can't fight off a lion. They're big, scary cats. You ever been to a zoo and see how many of them behind? I mean, every zoo is a petting zoo if you're not scared. But the lions. That's <laughs> what I tell my kids. Look at when you go to the zoo, you see a lion. Half of them are, are dopey and lazy, and they're just kind of sitting there waiting for the next meal. That's the description of the lion that gets shown to me whenever I read this. The lazy lion at the zoo. But my God is the roaring lion that is stomping and tromping and destroying the works of the enemy. Listen, it said he may devour. Not that he's going to devour. Listen, you've been given the entire armor of God that's spoken about in Ephesians chapter 6 to take into battle against a loser. Not somebody who's got a fighting chance. The work's already been done. Technically, he's a loser. Okay? And you've been given armor on top of that to whip him. Okay, so we battle a loser. That still doesn't mean that he's still not going to try to sneak in a couple of points for the finish. Once, once a team learn, lo, learns that they're going to lose, they, they try to play dirty. I've played enough sports. I've played against them. You just got to smack them hard. Listen, he's going to try and come in and sneak a couple of points. He's going to try to come in and devour what he may, what you don't take dominion over. One of them we've got right now, the finances, with the inflation and gas prices, all that, all that jazz. Listen, he's going to come in. He's going to try to get you. You don't have enough money to pay those bills that are due. He's going to try to get you with that. Once he starts getting in there, turning those gears backwards, he's going to try to come in. But you stand and you attack with, God's word says that he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.9. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and that wealth is mine too. That's Psalms 50.10. You should have that one highlighted too. Listen, I've done it before. We've had bills, and I've in my time just praying. I'm like, God, you need to sell one of your cows. That's it. He does it. I feel like, you know, it's mine too. If I'm God's son, I can have him sell one of the cows for me. You can too. So you stand up and you attack the devil with that. He's going to also, he'll try and come by, Satan I'm talking about. He'll try and come by either like eliminating your job or not having work come in. That's, that's happened before. That's nothing new. Okay, what are you going to do now? That's what he'll come and say. But you hit him back with, my heavenly father is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider, and he will take care of me. Your position allows you to use, a, use that. He is my Jehovah Jireh. My God is my provider. You use that. That's what your righteousness has given you the ability to do. You take dominion when those thoughts and those things come, subdue it. Actually, if you ever look at the word subdue and you go back and you actually look into it, it's a military term. It means really strike it, to subdue, to arrest, to take it down. It's not to play with like Play-Doh and stuff like that. It's nothing you, you mess with. Subdue means to take down. It's a militaristic term. Okay, so he'll try to come back again. He'll come back whipped and defeated. 
Satan will, and he'll try to get you. Another big one is your health. You're not really healed. He'll try to convince you. You're not really healed. Your, your body's still full of pain. Look at your symptoms. But you give him a good old big uppercut, and you say, my Savior took the stripes on his body. By the stripes, I am healed. 1 Peter 2.24. That's what you'd use. That's what you do. Listen, I've had to do these all for myself as well. Just last month, it was the two-year anniversary of the flood in the middle of the pandemic. We lost our home and all of our belongings. But my God would supply all my needs. And he did. And he's still doing it. I just remember that when the first day when I started destroying my house to take it out to the road, my, my brother Nick was there. And I looked at the crib that Scarlett and Daniel grew up in. I looked at it for a quick second. I was ready to shed a tear. And then I was like, nah, give me the sledgehammer. I grabbed it. I just destroyed that thing. And I started taking it out the road because I was like, my God's going to give me another one. Warren was walking around in the house with me. He's like, dude, I don't get it. I don't see how you're not just standing there bawling your eyes out. And I was like, I'm getting it back. I'm getting, I'm going to be supplied. As I was carrying the entire house out, which was a big pile, I carried the entire house out to the road. The entire time I'm thinking, my God will supply all my needs. And he did, and he did, and he did, and he did. More, 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 more. Listen, another one. I was working a job. It was an abusive job. Jake worked with me. We both worked at Orkin. I was getting abused. I was having to cover other people's routes while still trying to finish my own. The average technician was doing 12, 14, 16 stops a day. I was doing 26 to 28. I was leaving two to three hours earlier than most techs would start in the day, and I would go. And there was one Sunday, I just got off the stage. My phone was going off. I was like, who in the world's trying to call me? I get down, I go in the conference room. It was my boss. I had to run to Saginaw to go handle an issue. I won't say what place it was. I had to go issue, deal with a rat issue at a location on a Sunday. And I was like, you have technicians that live in Saginaw. Well, none of them answered their phone. I was like, I was the idiot who did. <laughs> so I had to go. They would send me up to Alpena and stuff like that, and I'd still have to come back and try to hit a couple of my stops in Saginaw or here in Midland and stuff. Like, it was bad. I made twice the amount of money I make now. I couldn't stay there. It was, it was not le letting me live. So I left it. But my God is Jehovah Jireh. Yeah, it was nice having what we called that orkin money. I was doing good. But I was not living a life. I would be here on Sunday morning trying to, trying to play guitar, trying to worship, and I could not stop thinking about tomorrow's jobs. I would get home immediately. I'd lay down in bed and I'd think, okay, I got to go to this stop. I got to go there this time. I got to do this. I, gotta. I just couldn't. I couldn't free my mind of it. It was a trap. And there was one, one incident where it really, sadly, I'm kind of used to it, and I shouldn't be. I was, in a, I was in a home, and I had a gun drawn on me in the basement, and I was like, oh, shoot, I'm going to have to deal with this. I was like, this is happening too often. I can't tell you how many times I've had a gun pointed at me. But this was just a couple years ago, well, last year, I can't remember when it was. I was like, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> so I had to leave the job. Money was good, but I had to leave the job. But my God is my provider. He is my Jehovah Jireh. We have never gone 
without being able to pay for our stuff. We have never gone without being able to put money still in our savings, put money in the kids' account, have cash in our wallet, have money on our card. My God is Jehovah Jireh. The other time I've had to do this, listen, I've got two kids right there. I've got Scarlett and Daniel. We're still believing that we'll have more kids. And then I was diagnosed with extreme infertility. Doctor said I looked like I had a vasectomy. No, I didn't. But my God is my healer. When they told me that, I was like, I already got two kids. <laughs> One of you is a liar. <laughs> I'll tell you what, every word of God is pure. By his stripes, I am healed. That's the position that you now have that you can work and live and function from. But it's our job to cultivate those in the greater levels. So, when stuff, like when Carrie heard about the gas price, what came out of her? Philippians 4 9. Right? Sorry, I was getting up. I had to go to the bathroom. 419. There you go. She quoted scripture. She's cultivated that into herself. So, when times come, a drought of gasoline came, she pulled up the reserve of scripture and boom he's cultivated that that's what we're supposed to do too that's the position that we live from now we have the power to be able to do that we've got the word here Satan's gonna keep he's gonna keep trying to come with you filling you with worries and cares he's gonna do that until he's finally finally bound up and thrown into the lake of fire he's gonna keep trying for it don't give him the room to do it like I said you're, you're in this game of life that doesn't mean you have to play by his rules one of the biggest ways to living from your new heavenly blessed position is getting close to God. You have to get into his word. You have to know his promises. You have to know his presence. You have to know his love. I was thinking about this on the way here to church this morning. I rode my motorcycle and I almost started crying. How unmanly does that look? I'm not on the road, on a Harley, and I'm getting ready to cry. I'm like, don't do this to me. I got I to gotta see. But it's because I'm getting close to God's presence. I know his love. I know what the righteousness means. And I know where I live from now. This is why discipleship is so important. You've got to become a student to learn your position. No, I've never met anybody who's been thrown on a job and not given one ounce of direction was able to take it all over. I'm pretty good at what I do. But I still need a direction. I still need instruction. We do too. Discipleship is so important. You need to become a student of this to learn it. God's ready. He's right there ready to, 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 to show it to you, to, to help you dig into it. Like I said, cultivate it, to grow it in the greater ways. Again, you, we've got to be in this because there's far too many Christians that are, they're Christians, are saved, but they don't know that they are seated at the right hand of the Father in the throne room, living from the throne room. That is sad. It's a sad, harsh reality that you can be saved and not know God. I don't mean make that sound mean or anything like that, but yeah, you can be saved and not know God. You can know of God, but knowing of God and knowing God are very, very, very different things. Very, very different. 
on how you will live your life. If you'll be living from the place that you're supposed to be in the throne room or if you're still living way beyond all the outer courts in the desert. You don't have to struggle in the world. The struggles are still going to come to us. But thank God, God's my provider. He's my healer. He's there. He's my, he's my gyra. He's given me his word to stand on. He's given me the power and authority to, to subdue and take dominion. If we're not taking time to cultivate our lives as God, then we're losing and living in a blessed life. Okay? The greater I know God, the greater of a blessed life I will live. And the greater of a blessed life you will live. That's truth. I'm getting the word. Okay. So how do we live from this new position now? Well, you live in knowing the truth. Like I said, that you are the resemblance of the creator. You have a relationship with the Father. And you have rulership with the almighty God. That is how you live from this position. How you live from your position over the conditions of this world. You live in knowing those truths. So, as soon as you stand up from your seat, you start subduing you take dominion over all the conditions of this world around you by your position. You hear me? Where am I at? Oh, it's all zeros. That's what I have for you guys. That's the end of this. Last week today is to know the truth. Again, you are the resemblance of the Creator. You have relationship with the Father. And you have rulership with the Almighty. That's your position now. Coda. Oh, blessed. Amen. Well, praise God, that was awesome. Thank you, Stephen. <clears throat> um, team A, if you want to come up and get in the prayer lines, get ready. God is so good, right? And uh, the thing that just every time anybody talks about righteousness or our, or our, our right standing with God or our position that God has given us, right? The verse that pops into my mind is, he became sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And uh, what sticks out to me about that is he made us that. You didn't make yourself that, he made us that. And so what, what the enemy always used to try to do to me is convince me that because of mistakes that I've made or, you know, things that I've done, things that I've said, that I no longer qualify for the position of right standing with God. And while we do confess our sins and he cleanses us from unrighteousness, we didn't put ourselves in the position of righteousness in the first place. You understand what I'm saying? He placed you there. He made you righteous with his righteousness.